The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a good deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose their reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Y'all can be seated. I remember a, a time shortly after 9-11 when I heard the president say the words, if they're not for us, they're against us. And, and I remember at that time and in that place, I was like, yeah. Because that, that was a time when, when if we could be united in someone, it was being angry, right? If we could be united over something, it could be in being offended, it can be in being frustrated, it can be in, in being miserable and mourning together. It was a time in, in my life, in our nation's history, where I remember probably us being more united as a nation than at any other time before or since because this great tragedy brought us together. And later on, I remember as I was doing a read-through of the Gospels, because I was in college getting ready to, for seminary, and I thought, well, I, I should read this book that I really say I believe in, right? Which is always dangerous. I, I remember coming across this verse in Mark and, and seeing what Jesus said to the disciples. The disciples who were united together and being really angry at this one person who had the audacity to use the name of Jesus in a way that they didn't recognize as right. Who had the audacity to use the name of Jesus and cast out demons, something, by the way, that they had trouble doing themselves, which... I I don't know about you, but I think maybe that might have gone into why they were getting upset. This person doesn't even follow Jesus, and they can do it, and we have trouble doing it. And so they went and tried to make him stop, and they came back to Jesus to tell, Jesus, this person over here was casting out demons in your name, and we went to stop him because he wasn't one of us. Oh, isn't that telling? Not, he's not with you, but he's not one of us. And that is something that Lutherans and Christians all over, not people in Greenwood, but people in Newberry have this problem sometimes. They'll, they'll say, you know, they're not one of us. They're not part of the group. They're not part of the people that we understand to be followers of Jesus in the way that is in accordance with the Lutheran confessions and the, the orthodoxy that we follow. And so can't we make them stop? And, 
Jesus gives us and them the answer. You know, first of all, if they're doing things in the name of Jesus and they're not going to start talking badly about him too soon. Now, granted, we might not necessarily like all the things they have to say about Jesus or the way they say it. But certainly, we're all trying to play for the same team. And then Jesus said the thing that really convicted me when I first really understood it. And it's something that continues to conflict me and, and convict me to this day. Because if you don't know this about me, if you talk to me for five minutes, you'll understand this to be true. I'm not someone who has very, very many opinions in the middle of the road. I tend to run hot or I tend to run cold. If I think something, I think it very definitely and strongly. And, and I tend to find myself on the days when I'm not in my best mood, when I don't have the best boundaries I might have between my intellectual self and my passion, on those days where I, where I find that I'm really just looking to, to say something that's going to zing somebody, and I know I'm not the only one who has those days, that you're either, you're either with me, which means you agree with me, or you're stupid, Right? And, and I think sometimes our politics runs this way. And I don't care what party you belong to. That's kind of the way our, our political rhetoric r- runs. We had, we've had a single party debate, and they're all on the same side. And look how much time they spent cutting each other down. They, they nominally, at least, agree with each other. And they spent all their time saying how smart I am and how dumb those other people are. And, and sometimes being a part of the church can be like that, too. You know, being a part of the church... Can, can mean that maybe we have an opinion that we should have red number 14 carpet and someone else thinks we should have red number 15 carpet and we can come up with theological deep moral reasons why red number 15 is wrong and red number 14 is right. But neither of us really wants to tear the church down. We just have different opinions about ways to glorify God. And let me tell you, as someone whose first term on a council ever was as a youth member when we were getting ready to redo the sanctuary, I had no idea that there were that many colors of yellow in existence, and I had no idea that that, those colors of yellow that I couldn't tell the difference between were so right or so wrong. And we hear the words of Jesus today, if they're not against us, they're for us. And those words always stop me, whether I'm having a good day or whether I'm having a bad day. And they remind me of what I'm really called to do in life, in ministry, as a husband, as a brother, as a son, as a pastor, and work with individuals and work with the synod, is to remember that no matter whether someone agrees with me or not, whether, whether I think they're right or I think they're wrong or on bad days, whether I think they're right or whether I think they're stupid, you know, depending on no matter what's going on, I hear this word of Jesus and it reminds me if they're not against me, they're for me. If they're not against Jesus, they're for Jesus. It means that there are more people on our side than we want to admit than probably we're able to stand most days because it means that if they're on our side, then then we're called to treat them fairly and we're called to treat them with mercy and we're called to treat them in a way that demonstrates that they're people who matter too. And... You know, I, I joke about the Carolina-Clemson divide a lot because it usually gets a good reaction. But, you know, the, it, it's a lot like that. We, we have our team. And, and our team, you know, whichever team you root for, 
is a team that is obviously the moral choice, is obviously the right choice, is obviously, regardless of how many games we've won, and as a Carolina fan this year, God help me, we still deserve to win the national championship, right? But it's, it's a constant struggle to remember that those Clemson people, who are my brother and sister-in-law, by the way, you know, they're all right too. And, and really, at the end of the day, we're called to be a part of the same team. We're called to be a part of the same body. We're called to be a part of the same body of Christ who is called through the waters of baptism to hear the good news that we, even when we were dead in our sin, even when we were broken by the things that hold us down, even when we were in the dark and couldn't see the light through pain or grief or anger or any of the things that hold us back and hold us down and cause us to stand back and separate ourselves are redeemed and blessed and called and named and reclaimed and restored by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the place where we feel like we're standing in the midst of hell is the place where God is planting the cross and declaring that this is where my kingdom begins. And it's a kingdom that encompasses everyone. And maybe that's even harder to believe than than anything else in my faith sometimes. Because when you're someone like me who has very strong opinions, it's awfully hard to believe that everybody really is someone who God loves. You know, I I remember how much trouble I had just believing it of my parents. You know, I I remember saying to mom one time, yeah, you love my brother, but but you love me, right? It's just just the way we're wired. There's there's that deep-seated competition within us. And... You know, as, as this congregation is going through the process of figuring out, you know, as, as you were asking about the call, asking on behalf of the call committee, you know, what are you looking for in the next five years? What do you hope the pastor can accomplish in the first year? That's a, that's a tough question coming from a pastor, by the way, you know, because if, if you have two people in a room, you have three opinions between you usually. But, but you know, and I'm, I'm sitting here remembering the, the day of holy conversation that I was able to join you all for. And one of the things that we were able to do as a, as a collected body of Christ during that day is something that, that I think is so productive and so amazing that I wish more congregations would do more frequently. We, we got together and we named the things that, that both excited us about ministry and also the things that, that we considered to be some of the wounds in the congregation that needed to be healed. You know, we'll spend a lot of time regaling each other about the time where our team beat the other team by 50 points and had 500-yard returns, but we don't talk about the year that Clemson trounced Carolina, what was it, 63-7? to You know, we just don't bring that one up because it's uncomfortable and it's frustrating and it, it leads us to remember painful things, and that was painful. But when, when we're willing to, to stand with each other, and name not only those things that feel good, but those things that hurt as well, then we're taking a step toward remembering what it is we're called to be as the body of Christ. Because God is a God who does not just stand with us when times are good. We think about Lazarus as Jesus was on the way to visit him and his sisters and he was dying and they found out on the way that Lazarus was dead and they went on. And Mary met him in the road and said, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. And he saw what Mary needed was community, and so he wept with her. 
And Martha met him on the road and, and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And he saw what she needed was an increase of faith. And so he re- reminded her of the resurrection, knowing all along that God was going to work something miraculous through him. Jesus, instead of saying, here I am with my cape, don't worry, silly mortals, everything's going to be okay. Jesus stood with them in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their suffering, in the midst of their frustration that, of knowing that if he had been there, then their brother probably wouldn't have died and he would have been able to stop the whole thing from happening in the first place. And yet it had taken three days to get on the road beforehand. Jesus was willing to, to be there with them and give them what they needed. Not cheap assurance and skipping over the hard things in order to get to the good parts, but real love that says where God is, everything is already beginning to be made new because I'm willing to be there with you in the midst of hell and I'm willing to walk with you as we work our way back toward heaven. You know, and, and that to me is what days of holy conversation and, and what the time we spend praying for each other and for the congregation and for the call committee and, and for our interim and the pastor who's going to be here is really all about. You know, it's about doing that hard work that we have to do so that when the time comes, we can stand as a community together to do the work that God has called us to do. And also recognizing that, you know, that work doesn't pause while we're waiting on the new pastor. We are the body of Christ and we are the people who are called and sent and empowered to do this work together and continue to be the community that we know we are called to be. So as, as we do this work, and, and as we have occasionally small, minor disagreements about things that, that may or may not seem important in the long run, remember these words of Jesus. If they're not against us, they're for us. We are not in the church a culture that's set up to be adversaries. We in the church are a culture that's set up to be family and friends, brothers and sisters, called and claimed and redeemed in the name of Jesus so that we can take to the world around us the message that it so desperately needs to hear that it is not at odds either, but it too is called and redeemed and claimed by the blood of Jesus. And our task this week and every week is to go out and ask this question, how is it that, that I can go and help to unite the world in Jesus' name? And how is it that in my life I can make the difference in the lives of others, even when they do disagree with me, and I think they're a little bit dumb? Amen. Amen.